And here's your host, Pastor Terry. Oh. It's an honor. It's an honor. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Be careful with that arm. Oh, sorry. It's an honor. It's an honor. <laughs> oh, well, Nicodemus. Glad to, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I don't know this. 350. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you 349. doing? 349. <laughs> what are you doing here, Nicodemus? Why are you here? You know, it's my lifelong dream to be on a game show. Oh. And I saw the price is right. And it's like my favorite. You know, oh. when you're sick at home, you can't go to school, there's nothing on TV. I mean, I, I was a kid in the non Netflix days. Oh. It was on, it was on, and it was better than soap operas. Yeah, there you go. I can't keep up with them. They're dead, they're alive, they're married, they're divorced, they're married again, they have six kids, they have no kids. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. These are the days of our lives. Boy, we digressed, didn't we? So, oh. I've always wanted to be on game show, and here, here I, I am. I think maybe you got. $79.95. I think maybe you're off track just a little bit, Nicodemus. Because we're going to play Pink Plinko. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Spin the wheel. Oh. <laughs> I've been working out. <laughs> you know it's got to go all the way around at least once, right? <laughs> I, how many times do I get to spin it to get it there? <laughs> Well, anyway, Nicodemus, I think you might have this a little wrong because we're not actually playing The Price is Right. I'm actually got a sermon that talks about oh, the that's cost way of... Oh, more boring than what I was thinking. <laughs> I thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> I got a sermon. I'm out. <laughs> oh, well, well, anyway, I'm sorry that we wasted your time, well, but... But maybe you can find something else to do for the rest of the day. I, I know, I know exactly what I'll what? do. What? Wheel. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, wow. Okay, always a treat. Sometimes a sour treat. But anyway, um, I am going to be talking about this morning if the price is right. So if you have your Bibles, take them out and let's. Let's hold them up high. This is God's word for me today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 for our beginning text this morning. Uh, as, we, as we go through life, we are constantly putting a value on things, right? If you go to a car dealership to buy a car and you've got enough nerve to do it, you've probably done some research ahead of time. You look at things and you try to place them in your mind, you know, you, how many miles and how, if it's got any rust and if it's got any dings and dents and, 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 and you formulate a cost of what you think that item might be worth. So you're constantly placing a cost on things. We go to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, this is Jesus, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that illuminates your word. And I just ask, Lord, that each one of us would allow that illumination in our lives today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I can remember uh, when I was dating my wife, her dad did a, a lot or most of the grocery shopping, and, and he would clip coupons. He would go through all the grocery ads of all the stores in town at that time, and he would pick and choose the items and where he was going to buy those items based on the cost. He was a patient man. And he would do all that because he wanted to get the very best price. Then, as I'm thinking that, the question I ask and I wonder is, do I do the same thing with my faith? Do I, do I try to bargain shop with my faith? Am I trying to get, you know, spend the least and get the most? Am I busy looking around trying to find that, you know, hey, if I, you know, if I could get this from God, maybe I could just give him a little bit and get it. And, and I wonder sometimes, is that not where we find ourselves? I want to read this story of Cassie Bernal. Cassie was a 17-year-old with long blonde hair. She wanted to cut off and have made into wigs for cancer patients. She was active in her youth group and was known for carrying a Bible to school. Cassie was in the set school library reading her Bible when the two killers burst in. According to witnesses, one of the killers pointed a gun at Cassie and asked, Do you believe in God? Cassie paused and then answered, Yes, I believe in God. Why? the gunman asked. Cassie did not have a chance to respond. The gunman had already shot her dead. Cassie's martyrdom was even more remarkable when you consider that just a few years ago she had dabbled in the occult, including witchcraft. She had embraced the same darkness that had drove her killers to such despicable acts. But two years ago, Cassie dedicated her life to Christ and turned her life around. Her friend Craig Moon called her a light for Christ. According to the Boston Globe, on the night of her death, Cassie's brother, Chris, found a poem she had written just two days prior to her death. It read, Now I have given up on everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. She states in her poem that she's willing to pay whatever price it costs her to live for Christ. She didn't get a bargain, did she? She wasn't shopping for the least, to pay the least for the most. She says, I'm willing to pay whatever it costs. The scripture we read, I love it, I'm going to read it again. It says in verse 34, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. So I was sitting preparing the message. This, this thought came to my mind. It's kind of a weird way to phrase that, I'm sorry. But 
the question I want to ask is, have these thoughts ever come to your mind? And I've got a few points here. The first one, it goes along a little bit with what we talked about in the, at the offering time. Has this thought ever crossed your mind? I gave money to the church and I didn't get anything for it. And when, I, when that popped into my mind and I wrote that down, God, God laid this in my mind. He said, if you put money in the offering or gave your tithe, you didn't give it to the church. You gave it to God. So let that sink in. Who are you blaming? You gave it to God. It's his money. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You see, in the scripture, God doesn't say you robbed the church. He said you robbed me. So many times we get focused on the church and how the church spends their money. And you, sh believe me, we're an open book. When we give the reports at the end of the year, when we talk to the board at every board meeting, the, the financial thing is an open book. If you're a member of this church, you will get a, you will get a detailed, a fairly detailed account of where we spent every dime. And if, you, if it's, you see something you don't like, you can ask the questions. And so it's not about the church. It's because when our heart gives money to the church, we're saying, God, this is your church, and I give the money to you to be used in, the, in your best interest. Malachi 3.10 goes on to say, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test. When, when, what he says here is, bring it into the storehouse that there be, may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. He's saying, God is saying, put me to the test. When you bring it in, put me to the test to see if I will. And says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see, obedience costs, but so does disobedience. It's up for us to judge if the price is right. I've heard stories from pastors over the years when people were becoming uh, some would become disgruntled with the pastor of the church. They would quit giving to the church offering. I ask you, who are you hurting? Does it hurt the pastor? Yeah, it does. But who does it hurt the most? What are you saying when you do that? What are, what are people saying? They're saying, oh, I don't trust you, God. I'm going to withhold from you. I know that's pretty sharp. But I believe what God has said is the truth. The second thing that you've probably thought, now you may not want to admit it and I may not want to admit it, but another thing that you've probably thought in the course of your association with church and maybe even in this church, I would help more, but I just don't get appreciated enough. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but ha no, I ain't even... Okay, I'll be honest. As pastor, it is... It is hard to appreciate people as much as they need to be appreciated. It is hard to pat people on the back as much as they need to be patted on the back. It is. People are awesome, and they do so much, and, and, and people that are faithful. It, it is, and, and I know that we don't do it enough. We try, but we don't do it enough. I realize that. 
And as I think about that, I, the, I come across this scripture. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 40. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. Ooh, that wasn't really what probably they need, wanted to hear. And the baptism, with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And I thought to myself, God, that scripture does not fit here at all, you know. And I just thought about it for a little bit. And I realized that even though James and John were good disciples and they were working hard and they were, there was something in them that wanted a little bit more recognition. They wanted to be put a little higher than the other guys. They thought maybe a little bit more themselves, a little bit more worthy than the other. You see, they had left a pretty good fishing business to go be a disciple. Now, in this, you, you think about that, and, and I think it was Robert Morris that talked about the fact that in that day, if you had a good fishing business, you probably had some pretty good cash because everybody ate fish. So they, they, they very well may have had a pretty good business thing going when they left. So maybe they're thinking, look at all that we left behind to come follow you, Jesus. Can't we sit beside you in the kingdom? And then Jesus, as he said, you know, can you, you know, are you going to be able to go through what I went through? And then he says, yeah, you will. And we realized from, from, from church history that they were martyred for the cause of Christ as well. And so we see that even in the very best of circumstances, sometimes we just feel like we need a little bit, another pat on the back or a little bit more. And sometimes it can be really hard to keep doing what we know is right, even though we know it's right, even though we know where it should be. Sometimes it's hard to keep doing it when you don't get any recognition. Maybe nobody even sees you do it. And you've probably never thought this way, probably not, but I just wish somebody would see me do that once <laughs> so they know that it's me. Now, come on. Because in the human nature, there is just that thing that desires some recognition. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't say that it's wrong to get recognition. It doesn't say it's wrong to get a pat on the back. It doesn't say it's wrong, but what it says is if that's your motive, <laughs> then you're wrong. 
If your motive is simply so people will see what I'm doing and recognize me for it, then you're, you're, you're going about it the wrong way. If your motive is, hey, I'm going to flat out serve God with everything I got, and I'm going to do whatever he asks me to do, if it's clean toilets or, or if it's stand on the pul- pulpit, then I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what anybody, if anybody knows it or doesn't know it. It doesn't matter how many times I've, I've done this and nobody said anything. But what I'm concerned about is I just want to do what God wants me to do. We all have things we want to do or that God wants us to do, but it's just not convenient. I know I should, but it's not very convenient. Realizing that there's always a cost to everything. There's a cost when you volunteer. There's a cost when you say yes to the pastor. (laughs) There's a cost. It's a cost of time. It's a cost of effort. It's a cost of, of maybe not doing something else that you wanted to do because I'm going to do what God is asking me to do. And again... We are making that determination. We are in our mind, we are constantly evaluating whether or not I'm going to do something based on the cost to me to do it. And in the end picture, it's really up to us to decide if the price is right. Another thing that I think about, and I've said it many times, I don't understand I don't understand all there is to know about about prayer. I don't understand why some prayers get answered, why some people get healed. I don't understand. All I know is, is my Bible teaches me to pray without ceasing, to trust in the Lord. When I pray, I am supposed to believe. My voice is changing. (laughs) To believe when I pray. And so I can't question that. But sometimes the thought may come into our head, I would pray more, but I just don't get any answers. Now, come on. I know some of you in here have thought that. I'm just not hearing the answers. I'm just, why waste my time? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I wish... In the flesh, anyway, I wish that every time I prayed a prayer, it got answered the way I wanted it to get answered. But that doesn't happen. But what I have to do is continue in my faith, continue to trust that that God is in control, that God has my back, that God knows what's best for me, even when I don't. And when I pray in faith, believing, I know that God hears that prayer and God is on the move on my behalf to see that what I need is taken care of. Things I haven't seen yet. So I ask you in here, how many of you have taken a breath in the last five minutes? Yeah? Good thing. Why did you do that? Did you see air? I don't see any, and yet I continue to breathe it in. Why? I have faith that it's there. Even though I don't see it, I have faith. People have faith whether they want to admit it or not. I have faith that when I breathe in, I'm going to get some air, some oxygen, and whatever else is in it that I need, and some things I don't. And so how 
how come we struggle so much with praying and seeking God even though we don't see the answers that we so desperately long for? Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep pushing and pressing in. One scripture, it says, you have not because you ask not, and, and sometimes you don't even ask for the right reasons, and that's why you don't have. I don't understand all there is to know about prayer, but what I know is that God has called us to pray and to seek His face and to pray in faith. Just keep on praying. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm sure we could probably most all quote it. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's a cost associated with prayer. It'll cost you time, energy. Maybe God will even want you to fast. Woo, what's that, Pastor? Anybody hear that? Fast. Fast and pray. It will cost you. Your tummy will growl. You will get hungry. But I believe that if we will do that, if we will begin to just say, God, I'm, I'm going to dedicate some time to you in prayer, and I don't care if, if I don't have say two words. I'm just going to dedicate that time to you, and I'm going to fo focus on you, and I'm going to... I'm going to let my spirit and your spirit just get together. I, uh, Kelsey, my daughter Kelsey's church had, a, had a, a prayer day where everybody, they took an hour. I've actually even got a list made up already. I just haven't implemented it yet where we're going to have a day of prayer. And she went and she said, you know, Dad, I, I knew I had, to, I had to do something different than just go in and, and just. So she said, I, I went up and I sat down at the piano. And I played and I sang and I worshiped and I prayed. I'm not here to tell you here's exactly how you've got to do that thing. I'm saying get alone with God. Spend some time with him. Set a block aside. Come up to the church someday. Say, Pastor, I need you to unlock the church. I've got to go pray. We'll see that it happens. Do something to get alone with him. And, 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 and my wife would just tell me this week, she said, I don't know. Can, can I tell him that, honey? Yeah. She, she got in the closet. She got in the closet and prayed. Well, when my kids were little, I would hide in the closet. <laughs> I, I literally went in the closet. And then I didn't care that they were knocking on the door. <laughs> At least you knew where they were that way, huh? So it's not convenient at times. And maybe there's other things you want to do. But when you need to be, when you need to pray, you need to pray. If we want God's best, we will give Him our best. We want to throw a little prayer at Him sometimes and expect Him to do all these great things. But I believe if we really want God's best, we're going to give Him our best. We're going to spend some quality time in prayer. We're going, to, we're going to lay our hearts out before Him. We're going to come to the altars. We're going to kneel at our bed at home. We're, we're going to drive down the, drive down the road and, and, and pray with our eyes open. 
I, I'm telling you, I, I was driving down the road the other day, and, and, and I was tears coming to my eyes. I'm like, okay, I can't do this while I'm driving. Can't do this while I'm driving. But we've got to find time to get alone with God and, and spend some time just letting Him speak into our lives. And sometimes I come in here on Sunday morning, sometimes I, I shout, and sometimes I, I, I pray, and sometimes I'm quiet, and I just because I want the Lord to be able to speak to me in whatever way that is. Sometimes I sing real loud. I do that before nobody else shows up. <laughs> Uh, probably not very good singing, but uh, but anyway, uh, why? Because there are times we need times we need to we need to say, you know what? I just need to spend some time with the Lord. It's going to cost you. You have to determine if the price is right. How many? Now I know some of you have told me this personally. How many have thought this exact thought? Sunday is the hardest day of the week, specifically Sunday morning. The devil is at his peak on Sunday morning. I think he gets up, he does his exercises, he says, man, I'm going to get him today. Come on, team, let's go. Let's go over to Lynn's house and, and down to, uh, to uh, the Voss's house and over to Terry and Lisa's house and down to Kathy and Gary's and, and let's stir things up a little bit. Let's get them arguing. Now, us good Christian married couples don't ever argue. But if the devil would have his way, he'll get in there. He'll get us angry. He'll get us frustrated. He'll get us so out of whack we don't even want to go to church. And that's exactly what he wants. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's just a fact of life. If you're planning on going to church, the devil's going to try to do something to keep you home. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's this scripture saying? This scripture saying you need to be here. This scripture saying I need to be here. This scripture saying everybody it needs to be in church. Why? Because it's a perfect place to be? No, you're here and I'm here, which means it's not perfect anymore. But it's a place, I believe, I firmly believe in the church. I believe that the church is a place where we come together, we worship together, our hearts break together, we lift each other up, we encourage one another, we speak over one another in love. We, we do that on Sunday mornings, we do it in, in men's group and women's group and youth group and, and rangers and impact. We do those things as we come together to worship Him and to do His will. And sometimes it means it, it's almost like work. Sometimes we have to force ourselves. But I, I always think about it this way. I've worked, I've worked at the same place for 33 years. I've been late one time, and that happened about six months ago. And I was so embarrassed that I, I forgot to turn my alarm on, and I show up at work 10 minutes late. It says, one time in 33 years, I showed up late. And I was embarrassed. But why? Because I know that it's important. If I've got a job, I'm going to, 
And yet so many times we, we, we let so many things keep us from being in a place where we can be encouraged and lifted up and not tore down. Now, I got a good place to work. I do. And maybe, and hopefully all of you do, but I know sometimes we go to work and we don't get lifted up. We don't get encouraged. We don't get told how much Jesus loves us. We don't get told that if we just trust in him and believe that God is with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us. I believe that I need you to come to church for me. And I believe that Dirk needs you to come to church for him. And I believe Randy needs you to come to church for him. I believe each one of these women needs you to come to church for them. Why? Because we are better together. We build each other up. We can pray over one another and we can love on one another. We can, we can love on these kids that come into this place. We can love on each other. I believe that the devil hates it when we come together in unity. He hates it when we love on one another. He hates it when we talk about the love of Jesus Christ. He hates it when we lay hands on each other and pray for one another. He hates it so much that he's going to do everything he can to disrupt it. He's going to keep you at home. He's going to keep you out of that atmosphere that God wants you to be in. I'm going I'm to say this, and I hope you believe it. I love coming to church. I don't come to church because I'm the pastor. I come to church because I, I love being in the presence of God, and I love being in the presence of other believers. I love hanging out with Christians. I love the spirit. I love the attitude. Ah, we're not perfect. Sometimes that... Now, sometimes we have to slap ourselves and say, okay, wait a minute, let's get back on track. I'm not, but I love being around people that love Jesus. They're in a better place to be, I don't believe. You see, the devil knows how important it is for, for us to be here. He knows how important it is for us to, to join together. He knows it, so he's going to mess us up. What kind of price would you put on the fact that God wants to use you to touch someone's life? What kind of price can you put on the fact that God wants to, to use you to speak hope into the hopeless or to pray over somebody that just needs to hear you pray over them? The last thing the Lord laid on my heart for this morning and something that I'm sure every person has thought before they got saved and before they came to the Lord is I will get saved someday. Did you ever think that, Dirk, when you were running? Someday I'll give my life to the Lord. I remember being down at the river one day, back when I was a teenager. My brother and my cousin stand there, and they had every intention of getting saved someday. Well, when we grow up, you know, we get, get kids, you know. I remember that vividly that, that day. You see, there's a lot of people that have that thought, someday I'm going to give my life to Christ. Right now, I've just got a lot of other things going on. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Working together with them, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listen to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
There is a price to give your life to Christ. You may have to give up friends. You may have to give up things. But I want you to listen to my last scripture this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You see, all of this can be yours if the price is right. Bow your heads with me, if you would, this morning. I don't know what part of this might have resonated with you this morning. I don't know what the Lord may be speaking to you this morning. But what I understand from what I've read and I know about God is that when He speaks, it's for a purpose. And so I believe in my spirit this morning that God has spoken to people in this place. And so I just simply ask you this morning to focus in on the thing that you believe He's speaking to you. The area of your life where in this message it hits home with you. And I want you just to begin to ask yourself, have I been placing too much value on my stuff and not enough value on God's stuff? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, if you found yourself in this message this morning and you would like me to, to pray with you as we close today, I want you to raise your hand. I want to agree with you, yes. I see those hands. Thank you very much. As we get ready to close, I, I firmly believe the, the greatest decision we could ever make in our life is to give our lives to Christ. No matter what it might seem like, we're going to have to give up. It doesn't compare to what we gain when we give our life to Christ. And if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I haven't made that decision before, but today I recognize that I'm paying way too high a price to live the life I'm living. And today I want to trade that in and I want to give my life to Christ. If there would be one in this place this morning that that would be you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to, I want to pray with you today. Why don't we stand? Lord, you know those in this place this morning that need to hear your message and to hear your word. And it's not, Lord, that I had anything to say, but, Lord, I believe your Holy Spirit was speaking today through me. And, God, I just ask that, in the, this moment, in this, this closing time, God, that you would help us to recognize 
what you're trying to speak into our life and the things, Lord, that we have placed value on and the things, Lord, that you want us to place value on. And God, help us. Help us, Lord, to realize the benefit outweighs the cost when we give our all to you. We don't want a bargain basement faith. We want a faith that shines. And so we're going to give you our all. God, help us to say, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Every time you call, help us to respond, yes. No matter what the price, no matter what the cost, it will be worth it all. I thank you for that today. Lord, I pray that as we go, that this week would be a week when we see you real in our life, when we hear your voice so powerfully speak, Lord God, that, that we can't help but understand and recognize you. God, go with us as we go and, and help us, Lord, to trust in you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.